0: reasons why I turned to writing was because I was dealing with so much trauma from my immigrant experiences, and I needed a way to, to deal with this trauma. And of course, as a young girl, I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know about PTSD or, or um, chronic stress. I just felt it in my body. And every time I wrote, I would die in, write in my diaries, write little stories and poems I always felt better. So I knew instinctively, I knew that that writing was an act of healing for me. And that is how I came to writing as a way to try to heal from all my immigrant traumas.
1: Welcome to the Friends and Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. for New York Times bestselling authors. One rock star librarian and endless stories. Join Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry, along with Ron Block. As novelists, we are four longtime friends with 70 books between us.
2: And I am Ron Block. Please join us for fascinating author interviews and insider talk about publishing and writing. If you love books and are curious about the writing world, you are in the right place. Welcome to a new episode of the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block Podcast. In this episode, we are taking a look at a spectacular book in our Books You Should Know series. These are books that truly spark something in readers, whether it's a voice they may not have heard before or storytelling that is so compelling, it deserves a place on every bookshelf. I am Ron Block.
1: And I am Patty Callahan Henry. We are so excited to speak with acclaimed writer, Reina Grande. Reina has received an American Book Award, the El Premio Asteland Literary Award, and the International Latino Book Award. In other words, she's a total slacker. In <laughs> 2012, she was a finalist for the prestigious National Book Critics Circle Award. And in 2015, she was honored with a Louis Leal Award for Distinction in Latino Literature and a Latino Spirit Award in 2021. There are so many more awards to list, but I am going to let you look them all
2: up. And do because they're so amazing. It's quite a list. So she writes about immigration, family separation, language trauma, the price of the American dream, and her own writing journey. Her work has appeared in the New York Times, the Dallas Morning News, CNN, the Lily at the Washington Post, BuzzFeed, and many others. In March 2020, she was a guest on Oprah's book club television special.
1: Reina is a proud member of the Macondo Writers Workshop, founded by Sandra Cicernos, where she has also served as faculty. She has taught at Breadloaf Writers Conference, Voices of Our Nation's Arts, at the Under the Volcano Writers Conference, and so many more. There is such an amazing wow. list of accolades and accomplishments. We are honored to talk to you today, Reina.
0: Thank you so much. I, I am so excited to, to be here with you both.
1: So what we're really thrilled to talk with you about today are many things and we'll touch on some of them, but I want to talk about your novel. It is such a powerful novel. And one mm-hmm. of the first things we love hearing, especially for those of you who might not know about the book, can you tell us what it's about? And then more importantly, and you and I got to talk about this when we were together in California, what is it really about?
0: Yeah, well, the novel is about a forgotten moment in U.S. history, which is when the United States invaded Mexico in 1846. So it touches on the U.S. invasion of Mexico, um, the fight over the southern border, and the creation of this border as we know it today. And also this invasion, which culminated in the signing of the Treaty of Guadalupe Hidalgo, which is when Mexico lost half of its territory to the United States. So that's the time period that I write about in the 1840s. And the novel is a war story. It's a love story, and it's also an immigration story. And to me, it was really important to think of it in those, in those terms because I was writing a love story, but I, I, I wanted the war to be as much of a central character as my two main protagonists. And I also wanted to make sure that I dug very deeply into the Irish immigrant experience of the 19th century.
2: And that you did.
0: And <laughs> <laughs> you did. And not only is it a love
1: story, but it's a powerful love story that changes the world in many ways. If you had to say, so there's the plot, right? there. And there we know it's about immigration. It's about war. Is there a theme that really rose up for you? Like if you had to say what this book is really about is this.
0: Yeah, well, one of the themes that really emerged in the book was the theme of traitors and heroes mm-hmm. and how you could be both. Mm-hmm. And my protagonists, you know, John Riley, Jimena, even Santa Ana himself, they both experienced this duality of being traitors and being heroes. Mm-hmm.
2: It's- Very complex, but it's just like Patty said, it's so powerful and I'm not giving anything away, but there's a scene early on where John is seeing some things happening across the Rio Grande happening on the Mexican side. And it just the reflection of what's going on there and how it makes him feel is it is worth the whole book almost itself. It's just so stunning and so powerful.
0: Thank you so much.
2: But. Before we dive deeper into the novel, which, you know, I want to do, we want to know a little bit more about you as a writer. Cheryl Strayed, one of our favorites, said that you are a fierce, smart, shimmering light of a writer, and you are the very first person in your family to attend university. Can you talk to us about your journey to becoming this shimmering light of a writer? (laughs)
0: Yes, I love Cheryl Strait. She was my MFA yes. teacher and I oh, I am so lucky wow. that I I got to have her as a teacher. So, my story began in Mexico. You know, I'm, I'm originally from Mexico from the state of Guerrero and my parents immigrated to the US when I was a little girl and I stayed behind in Mexico with my siblings under the care of our grandparents. So to me, that, that family separation deeply impacted me because I grew up being very fearful and also insecure, and I, I feel that my childhood was defined by the fear of being forgotten by my parents or being abandoned or being replaced. Luckily, my father ended up coming back to Mexico for me and my siblings. And he hired a smuggler to sneak us across the border when I was nine and a half. And that's how we ended up in California. So I came of age in Los Angeles as an undocumented immigrant. And this experience really shaped my identity and also my writing. You know, I mean, one of the reasons why I turned to writing was because I was dealing with so much trauma from my immigrant experiences and I needed a way to, to deal with this trauma. And of course, as a young girl, I didn't know that's what it was. I didn't know about PTSD or, or um, chronic stress. I just felt it in my body. And every time I wrote, I would die in, write in my diaries, write little stories and poems, I always felt better. So I knew instinctively, I knew that, that writing was an act of healing for me. And that is how I came to writing as a way to try to heal from all my immigrant traumas. I was very fortunate because when I went to community college, my English professor pulled me aside and she said, Reina, you're very talented. Have you ever thought about pursuing a career as a writer? So it was my my English teacher who put that idea in my head that someone like me could aspire to a career as a writer. And that's where my relationship to writing kind of changed at that point, because before I used to do it more for for therapy. But once I decided that I wanted to pursue a profession in writing, um, I, I knew that I had to do everything I could to to really learn the craft and to acquire all the tools that would need to be successful in, in this career.
1: Isn't it amazing how one person can mm-hmm. say, you have this gift, do something with it. And how just that act of acknowledgement can shift our entire life.
0: Yeah, it. I mean, it's life changing, especially when somebody sees something in you that you haven't even seen in yourself. I think mm. that, that that has been the most beautiful thing because before I met my teacher, it just never crossed my mind that I could be a professional writer.
1: When she said it, did it ding something in you? Did it like ping you? Did it feel recognizable to you?
0: Yes, that's who I am? Not at first, because my first reaction was that there's no way that someone like me could be a professional writer. But then she started giving me books written by Chicana Latina writers, you know, like Sandra Cisneros, Isabel Allende, Julia Alvarez, Ana Castillo. Like she would hand me books and say, if Sandra Cisneros can do it, you can do it. If Isabella Allende can do it, you can do it. So when she gave me these books, and I hadn't really read much Chicano-Latino literature, and when she gave me these books and I could hold them in my hands, suddenly it made sense, and suddenly I knew that I, maybe I could aspire to also in my work, just like Cisneros and Allende and Alvarez had done and were doing.
1: How many books do you have now?
0: I have seven books yeah. and I have book number eight coming out next year. Not no, as many as you, nice. Patty. <laughs> oh, I, I, I know. I was so I was blown away when when I heard you have like over twenty books.
1: <laughs> no, it's not twenty,
0: but yes, it doesn't. I don't think
1: the number matters. I think what's astounding is that you took you took that seed and you grew it into this astounding career. And at the end, we are definitely going to ask you what you have coming out next, but. I want to dive now into your character, who doesn't feel like a character. She feels very real. Jimena mm. is a gifted Mexican healer who uses her skills as an army nurse on the front lines of this war. And historical fiction is a bit, this is your first real historical fiction, yes? Yes. And-
0: Oh.
1: Yeah, wow. And, right? Blow wow. you away? So can you talk to us about what we often call here at Friends in Fiction, the origin story, not only of your character, but this story? I think her birth came from a poem, if I'm right.
0: That is correct. When I was researching the Mexican-American War, I came across a poem written by John Greenleaf Whittier in Mm -hmm. 1847. And the poem is called The Angels of Buena Vista. And what struck me about this poem was how pro-Mexican it was at a time when a lot of the writing coming out of the U.S. was very anti-Mexican because, you know, the U.S. was at war with Mexico. But John, John Greenleaf Whittier's poem celebrates the courage and bravery of Mexican women who would follow their men from battle to battle. And they would provide different kinds of services, like, you know, cooks and laundresses, nurses, and also they would sometimes take up arms too alongside their men. And the poem, The Angels of Buena Vista, is about a woman named Jimena who's out in the battlefield tending to the wounded. And when I saw this poem, I knew I had found my female protagonist because I started to wonder, well, who is this woman? What is she doing in the battlefield? How did she get there? Who did she lose during this war? Where does she come from? So I I began to ask so many questions about her. And obviously, all I knew about her is that she somehow ends up in the battlefield. So I had to create this character from scratch. And get her to a battlefield. (laughs) So actually Jimena was a very challenging character to write because I didn't know anything about her. And when I finally had my turning point with Jimena was when I realized how a lot of the stuff that had happened in Texas in the 1820s and 30s really set the stage for the Mexican-American War. And I knew that in order for the reader to fully understand this, this conflict, they had to understand what happened in Texas. So I decided that Jimena had to be from Texas. She had to be from San Antonio. Her family participated in the Texas rebellion and she witnessed the Battle of the Alamo. And so she comes with all this history, all these experiences that later come into play when she is forced to become Santa Ana's personal nurse. Because then she is able to question him and and, um, have these conversations with him about what happened in Texas. And she learns how to stand up to him, too. Then she doesn't let herself be intimidated by him.
1: Was the idea first to write about the war, or was the idea first to write about her? Which which came first in this origin story?
0: It was to write about the war. Mm. And when I started the novel, Jimena didn't exist. When I started the novel, I was gonna write about the St. Patrick's Battalion and about John Riley. And John Riley's a real historical figure. And I read books about John Riley. And I was able to start writing chapters from his point of view about his time in the U.S. Army, the nativism that he and and other Irish immigrants encountered in the U.S. Army, all the abuse and discrimination and prejudice And I knew that, you know, I knew when John Riley deserted the U.S. Army, I knew that he switched sides to fight for Mexico. I knew which battles he participated in. I knew what happened to many of these Irishmen and Italians and Germans who were in the St. Patrick's Battalion. So I had a lot of facts about him. And so I was able to start writing the novel and I began to write it from his point of view. But it wasn't until I found the poem by John Greenleaf Whittier when Jimena came into the novel, and by that. then, like by then, I already had like several chapters written about John Riley.
2: That's amazing. At the heart of the novel, it's it really is a love story between these two. How did you merge the two and decide to tell their story as part of this?
0: Yeah, well, that was challenging because John Riley is a real historical figure and Jimena is a Mm -hmm. fictional character. But what happened was as I was researching John Riley, I came across a rumor that the real John Riley had fallen in love with a Mexican widow. And there's some theories that he might have stayed in Mexico after the war to, you know, create a life and, and a home with this woman. But there's actually there's no record of it. It's just a rumor. But I took that rumor and then I took Jimena from John Greenleaf Whittier's poem and I said, Okay, this is gonna be the Mexican widow that stole John Riley's heart
2: hmm. uh, and
0: that's how the that love story came to be.
2: It it is so compelling and so powerful, and I'm, I'm glad earlier you were telling us some of your own history and how you became a writer. Because now I can see it in your writing, and your depth and love of characters just comes shining through. And the, you just it's 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 you on the page. It's so good. <laughs> But let's go back to John and uh, being an Irish man fighting for Mexico. So you were once on Oprah to talk about cultural appropriation and the question of who has the right to tell a story. Can you talk to us about that as far as writing from an Irish man's point of view?
0: Yes. And that was something that when the controversy with American Dirt happened, I was not criticizing the author for Mm -hmm. having written a book about Mexican immigrants, because I myself was writing a book about Irish immigrants. (laughs) And I thought, you know, to me, I felt, and, and this is something I said on Oprah, that I feel that a storyteller has a right to tell whatever story speaks to her heart. Of course, you have to do it with respect, you know, with for that culture that you're writing about. And you do your job as a writer. You do the research. You talk to people. So I did everything I could. And, and it was a hesitation on my part because I felt, well, what do I know about being Irish I don't really know the history. I don't know the culture too well, but as I was researching John Riley's story, it blew me away because the Irish immigrant experience of the nineteenth century is so similar to the Latino immigrant experience of today, and I re- I connected with him immediately because I knew firsthand, you know, through lived experiences what it's like to be an unwanted immigrant in this country, to be discriminated, to be kept on the margins of society, to, that no matter how hard you try to give the best of yourself, you know, this country always makes you feel that, that there's no place for you here. And, and so I connected to his immigrant trauma very deeply. And in that way, he gave me permission to be able to write about him, because the immigrant experience is universal, and so I tapped into that, into my own lived experiences, to connect with John Riley.
2: Wow, and I actually heard in another interview you did that an early reader told you that that John Riley's portion of the story seemed more authentic than Jimenez (laughs) and that you had to go back and change it. Is that true?
0: Yeah. Well, what happened was because I was so concerned of getting my Irish characters right, I spent more time on John Riley's chapters than on Jimenez. Mm. And I did a ton of research. I read a lot of 19th century Irish literature, especially literature that centered experiences of the Irish peasants, and I try to work really hard on the language. Like I went Mm -hmm. sentence by sentence in John Riley's chapters, making sure that the word choice was as accurate as possible, and that the dialogue was as accurate as possible. And then I consulted with uh, three Irish historians who read my manuscript. And so I spent so much time on his chapters. And then I shared the manuscript with my friend Macarena and she read it. And she says to me, Reina, your, your, your Irishmen sound more Irish than your Mexican sound Mexican. <laughs>
1: oh, That's amazing.
2: But that really struck me in reading it too. That it really just the language and the cadence of, of the language was so authentic. I just, I was like, how did she do this? And now I know.
1: And Raina, I think you're writing from a lived experience and you're writing from the seat of his heart, which is different Mm -hmm. than pretending to be Irish. You're you're writing from the seat of his heart, from behind his eyes in an immigrant experience. So it's astounding. But as a historical writer, I would love to talk about your research from cockfighting, to Irish peasants, (laughs) to herbal healing, to being a nurse. There is so much rich material in this book. You've talked a little bit about some of the books you read. I'd love for you to name some of them. But can you talk about your research and if anything really rose up for you?
0: Yeah, well, I have to say this novel really kicked my butt. (laughs) because i had never had to do this level of research ever for any book and and it overwhelmed me so many times you know i i wrote the book in a span of seven years and i had to keep putting it away because i just got overwhelmed with all the research but there came a point when i finally got a, a grip on it but i started with the big picture, you know, first I started reading books by or about the St. Patrick's Battalion and John Riley. So three books that I that I really love were um, The Rogue's March by Peter Stevens, The Irish Mm -hmm. Soldiers of Mexico by Michael Hogan and Shamrock and Sword by Robert Miller. So these three books go deeply into the St. Patrick's Battalion. And you learn a lot about these these immigrants and and John Riley. After that, I opened up the lens to read more about the war itself. You know, so I had to, I read a lot of books about the war, like A Wicked War, So Far From God, and, and so many other books about the war. But then I also had to read books about each specific battle, you know, they were like there was a book that just only talked about the first two battles that happened in what is now Brownsville, Texas. And then I had, I read a book that only talked about the battle of Monterrey or the battles that happened in Mexico city. Then I I read a lot about military life, soldiers, how to operate cannons. I had to learn like all that, that vocabulary. And then Then it got more specialized in reading about the healing arts. Since Jimena is a healer, I had to learn about the healing arts, spirituality, the flora and fauna of uh, South Texas, northern Mexico. I read a lot about cockfighting since Santa Ana was really into (laughs) cockfighting. And uh, it just the list went on and on. And some of the books that I read were also diaries, like uh, diaries written by U.S. soldiers who were in this war. So I read a lot of diaries, letters that they sent home. I read memoirs like Ulysses Grant, um, his memoirs. He talks about the war because he was a lieutenant during the Mexican-American War. I read memoirs from, like, Zachary Taylor and Scott and Santa Ana's memoirs and his biography. a PhD in the Mexican-American
1: <laughs> <know>. War. <laughs> Ray, my goodness, I feel like this was such a deep dive. You could write a never-ending series about <laughs> all of this, but it shows in the book because
2: Absolutely the,
1: the the truth bubbles up as if if you're right there. But one of my favorite things is finding a piece of data or a fact or a lost story that flips the story I think I know on its head and changes the direction of it. Did any of your
0: research do that? Well, I think one of the things that I really enjoy doing was whenever I would come up with, come upon things like that rumor about John Riley, right? That, that, That he fell in love with the Mexican widow. And I took that rumor and I made it into a part of the story, a big part of the story. And then, for example, when Taylor's quartermaster was murdered, nobody knew who did it. But they it was rumored that the Mexican guerrilla did it. So then I took that and then I made Jimena's husband be part of that. Or when Lieutenant Porter was murdered. Nobody knows who did it. So then I made Joaquin do it. So I kept constantly like pulling things, especially if they were not verified, you know, about like whether or not they really happened. Like there was another rumor that John Riley has snuck into the the u s encampment to distribute leaflets, like that was a rumor, so then i i made I wrote a scene where John Riley sneaks into Taylor's camp and he distributes those leaflets and tries to recruit more deserters, so those were the things that I had a lot of fun with
1: okay because I love finding a rumor or a a little piece of something that isn't usually in the main narrative and because we're writing historical fiction we can use it for the arc of the story which is exactly what you did
2: you've based some of the characters characteristics and backgrounds on people in your own life and history
0: yes well one of them was Jimena's grandmother nana hortensia
2: she, loved
0: her. Yeah, she she's based on my maternal grandmother. She was a healer. And I lived with my grandmother up until I was nine when I came to the U.S. And I did not really see my grandmother that much anymore once I immigrated. But when I lived with her when I was a child, my grandmother would give me spiritual cleansings. And she would give me and my siblings a lot of remedies, you know, like we used to have tapeworm, for example, and my grandma would give us some remedies so that we could expel the parasites. And people in the neighborhood would constantly come to our house and look for my grandma because they needed, you know, her her healing. So these are some of my favorite childhood memories of my grandma. And she always smelled Mm -hmm. of herbs and almond oil and cigarette smoke and and so when I was writing the novel, I gave Jimena, my grandma, and every scene that I wrote between her and her grandma, I, I just felt that my, it was my grandma talking to me. And then I, I always ask myself, if I hadn't immigrated, if I had stayed in Mexico and grown up, uh, raised by my grandma, would she have passed on this knowledge to me? You know, Would I mm. not be a curandera like her? Would I have learned the healing arts and and be more spiritual, uh, more religious and more wise, you know? So then I, when I wrote these scenes, all of that, that love that comes across from, you know, her grandmother, the wisdom, the spirituality, all the knowledge that she passes on to Jimena, I felt it was my grandma passing it on to me.
2: That is beautiful. And, and, uh, it really did resonate and you could, you could feel the love coming out and the, and the, between the relationship. Can we move on just a little bit to talk about your memoir? Hopefully. Yeah. The distance between us. It's, it's just one of the best memoirs I have ever had the privilege of reading, but what was it like from your perspective to tell your story? Because it felt really brave.
0: Well, it was very scary to write because you know when you write memoir, you put yourself in a very vulnerable place. You're exposing all these things about yourself and your family um, and and I think it there's a different level when you're writing about being undocumented, you know being an, an immigrant because you're writing about your family violating us laws, right. So to me it, it was it was a very scary thing to do, but writing the memoir really helped me to understand the life I have lived and why these things happen and what I learned from it, what I gained, what I lost. And it also helped me to to reframe it because for a long time I was very ashamed about being an immigrant and being undocumented and I didn't go around telling people hey I'm an undocumented immigrant you know I kept it hidden Mm -hmm. I I tried to blend in as much as I could but but I also internalized a lot of shame about this part of me about this identity so when I wrote the the memoir it was an act of rebellion It was me saying, you know, it was me saying, I'm no longer going to be ashamed about this. I'm going to own it. I'm going to own my truth. Here it is. You know.
2: Wow. 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 What was the uh, reaction from people in your community and your family when it it came
0: out? it It was really wonderful because at the time when the distance between us came out, it was, you know, 10 years ago. We were not openly talking as much about. Undocumented immigrants, and we had tried to pass the Dream Act, and it hadn't passed. There was not a lot of support for our undocumented youth. So this this memoir, and then there's been, you know, so many other undocumented immigrant memoirs that have been coming out. Even just recently, two months ago, Javier Zamora published his memoir Solito about being undocumented and being, being a child who, who came to this country on his own. So I feel that it added to this dialogue and then created conversations about undocumented youth and, and how it's important for this country to be more supportive and more, more compassionate, to welcome and to give more opportunities for this very vulnerable population. My family, I I got a lot of support from my family in telling the story. And I think it like, especially my siblings, they they helped me out a lot. They gave me a lot of their own memories. And in a way I felt very grateful because I wasn't just writing my story, I was writing our story. And I wanted Mm -hmm. them to feel that, you know, that this is our story that I'm writing. So they were very supportive. And the the book has has been has been uh, read, in all the way from elementary school to college and beyond, because there's a young readers version. So, I was just going to ask you about yeah. that. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: So you've been traveling, talking to schools about it, introducing the younger generation to this. Has that has that been an aspect of the story you didn't see coming? You know, something. In this act of rebellion, you've ended up helping and and exposing, you know, other other families to the truth.
0: Yeah, well, I I think it's I want to say that it's empowering when Mm. when immigrants have stories that they can see themselves in because a lot of times in literature, because the publishing industry is not very diverse, a lot of times, you know, uh, children of color don't grow up reading books that reflect their experiences or their family's experiences. But every time you encounter a book, when you can see yourself, it's just so empowering. So I, for me, I have seen this book as a bridge, as a way to connect the community, To help us, you know, feel seen and heard, but also to connect with those outside the immigrant community, you know, people whose ancestors immigrated. And so they they no longer uh, understand immigration as as clearly or they're not as connected to their immigrant past? So I really hope that when they read this book, it reminds them of that, and and it helps them mm. to understand the the immigrants that live here in this country. So I want to create more opportunities for us to have these kinds of dialogues and conversations, and to to remove the distance between us. <laughs> Wow. Wow, wow, so wow,
1: you wow. go from that to, to this gorgeous historical novel. So you have to tell us what's next for you.
0: Yeah, so after the novel came out in March, I published a an anthology in June called Somewhere We Are Human, Authentic Voices on Migration, Survival, and New Beginnings. And this anthology is a collection of essays and poems written by and about undocumented immigrants. And this is the first time that I edit an anthology. I co-edited it with a poet, Sonia um, Guignanzaca, who's from Ecuador. And both Sonia and I, you know, were um, previously undocumented and many of our contributors are still undocumented. Um, so, so that's an anthology that came out a few months ago. And then next year, I have a book coming out called Spare Parts which is an adaptation from Joshua Davis's book, Spare Parts that came out 10 years ago. It, it was made into a movie with George Lopez and it's a story of four undocumented uh, Mexican high schoolers who were in a robotics competition and they beat MIT. And nice. it's a really beautiful story Uh, And underdogs, you know, these high school kids who were undocumented and they built uh, a robot made out of spare parts and recycled parts and and cheap parts that they bought at at Home Depot. And they entered this robotics competition against colleges and universities like MIT and they end up winning first place. So it's a beautiful, beautiful story. And I had the opportunity to adapt the book, which was originally published for adults. I adapted it for young readers.
1: When does that come out? Tell it, us.
0: It comes out in May, May 2023.
2: Okay. Wow.
1: That's, we will be looking for that and want to talk to you again, for sure.
2: Oh, Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Oh. Oh, Reina, we could do this for days and days and days. In fact, let's do it every day. Come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to say, like, uh, it's rare that a book really gets into my heart so deeply uh, in every aspect. The the horrors of war, the intense love story, it's all there, and it's 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 a masterwork. And I congratulate you for that, and thank you for putting that out into the world. I'm just, again, I'm thinking about the ending. I'm going to cry again, (laughs) but it's been so great to talk to you and I can't wait to talk to you again.
0: Oh, thank you so much.
2: And thank you all for tuning into this episode. I hope you'll tune in next week and bring a friend along for the Friends in Fiction Writer's Block podcast.